Welcome to episode 25 of You Are Not A Frog, How To Beat Burnout. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, hospital doctors and other busy people in high stress jobs. Working in today's high stress environment, you may feel like a frog in boiling water. Things have heated up so slowly that you might not have noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. You've got used to feeling constantly busy and are often one crisis away from not coping. Let's face it, frogs only have two choices, to stay in the pan and get boils alive or to hop out and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more choices than you think you do. There are simple changes that you can make which will make a huge difference to your stress levels and help you enjoy life again. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP turned executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this so that together we can take back control to survive and really thrive in our work and lives. I'd like to tell you about our new CPD forms. If you want to learn while you listen and claim CPD points, then go to the link in the show notes and sign up to receive our fully downloadable podcast CPD forms. Each one is populated with show notes and links so that you can listen, reflect and then note down what you're going to do. A quick, easy and enjoyable way to do your CPD. So welcome to episode 25. Wow, I can't believe we've done 25 episodes. And for this one, I thought that I would talk to you myself about burnout because it's something I've been doing um, a lot of sort of research on, a lot of looking at and thinking about actually how can we help people? How can we equip people to prevent burnout? And I'm particularly focusing on GPs and other doctors and healthcare professionals in this episode, but there are definitely principles that will apply to any professionals in high stress jobs. And just to let you know that there is a free resource to download, which is my Thrive Week Planner, which will help you plan your ideal working week. So do get that in the show notes. And I will also be telling you about my Beat Stress and Thrive Tribe online course and community, which is launching today, the 10th of March. I'm really excited about that. If you want to know more, just go to the show notes and click the link. So on with the episode. Today, I want to talk to you about burnout because I think it's a really, really important subject. And there's been several studies out recently from the GMC and the BJGP about the level of stress and burnout amongst doctors and the impact on their well-being and what we need to do about it. So I thought I would record a podcast, which is just me today, no guests, but I just want to share with you a few stats and a few things that I have been reading about burnout that I find really quite shocking. Now, the first study uh, came out earlier this year or in late December, and it was from the GMC, and it was called Caring for Doctors, Caring for Patients, and it was by Michael West and Denise Coyer. And there were several things in it which I think were quite pertinent, but the, one of the things that really struck me was the quote, which is, medicine is a tough job, but we make it far harder than it should be by neglecting the simple basics in caring for doctors' well-being. And in this this report, it reports that 50% of healthcare staff report debilitating work stress. And lots of studies have shown that there's a 45 to 63% higher odds of making a medical error if you have higher levels of burnout. Uh, It goes on to talk about doctors wanting to quit. So 35% of GPs are intending to quit in the next five years. One in four people who are doctors in training are feeling burnt out and one in five trainers are feeling burnt out themselves. And that's not all. 
59% of GPs report that the job is very or extremely stressful and 94% of GPs are suffering from mild or severe exhaustion. And that was from another survey, which was in the BJGP, which found that actually over 90% of GPs seem, could be classified as suffering from a minor psychiatric illness, which I think is a huge problem. So I wanted to do a podcast to address some of this, to find out actually what was going on and why it was happening and are there things that we can do about it? So, you know, what is going on? Well, in primary care, the demand is going up and up, isn't it? The number of patients are going up, the population is getting older and the demand for healthcare has gone up by more than 20%. But we know we are not getting more staff to deal with this. The number of GPs is in fact decreasing as people are leaving. And there was a study in the BJGP in 2016 by Dornan et al, which talked about the reasons why GPs under the age of 50 were leaving the NHS. There were all sorts of reasons from political reasons to you know changes in rotors and changes in working pattern but the number one reason why they were leaving was the impact of their jobs on their well-being and this is enormously important gps under the age of 50 are leaving because they feel that their well-being is in fact more important than their job which is only well and good but it shouldn't really have to be like this should it now interestingly that study was where I got the idea for the podcast for You Are Not A Frog because they compared GPs to frogs in boiling water. And, you know, if you go back 15 years or so, we weren't working nearly as hard as we're working today as GPs. And I'm sure probably hospital doctors feel the same. But the workload has increased slowly and insidiously. And if we'd known it was going to be like this, we probably would have hopped out of the pan a lot sooner. But actually now the water is getting near boiling point and people are starting to burn out. So are doctors like frogs in boiling water? Well, I guess yes and no. Yes, I think the pan has heated up slowly. And now we feel that the extra long days are the norm. But we are not frogs. <laughs> you are not a frog. And so we have choices. We have choices about what we want to do. And actually... It's more than a choice about do I leave or do I burn out? You know, there's actually other things that we can do within our job. So it's not inevitable that we're going to burn out. So I spoke to lots of different GPs when I was having a look at what I was going to do for my online course. And I've got a few quotes that really sort of struck me. Someone said, by the end of the day, I'm emotionally battered using all my strength and mental energy to survive. I'm left clinging to the desk for dear life. So the workload is making us feel overwhelmed. It's making us feel that we can't cope. And by the end of the day, yeah, we feel battered and we feel emotionally exhausted. And the second thing that happens is that because we're so busy with our heads down, just trying to get the work done, is that we feel isolated. And another quote says that GPs work in glorious isolation. We're perfectionists and we're obsessive. We feel guilty if we're not working. Does anyone listening to this podcast feel like that? Feel guilty if they're not working every single hour? Who, who feels guilty if they take a coffee break? Or if they take a lunch break and sit in the common room and have a chat? You know, these things are normal. These are things we need to do, but we're feeling guilty. And who feels guilty if they're able to come home and switch off from work and not dial in and do more work? It's not a normal state to feel like we're working all the time or we have to work all the time. 
And then there's this lack of resources. And one GP told me, I sit there in consultations thinking, I just can't get my head around the amount of pressure in this consultation and the expectations of me that are quite unrealistic. So our patients are becoming more and more complex and expect you to deal with multiple problems. Often, you know, other healthcare professionals have dealt with the perhaps the simpler patients that come in. And you can't just say go away when someone comes in with multiple problems. And I personally think it's impossible to deal with the sort of medicine we have to deal with in 10-minute consultations. And so running late is inevitable, particularly when we're dealing with you know very vulnerable patients and patients that have significant mental health problems or complex multimorbidity. So there's no feeling of having done a job well. And we all know for the, the motivational researchers that actually one of the um, top motivational factors is achievements and feeling like we've done a good job. Now, if every day we're just working and working and running as hard and as fast as we can on the hamster wheel just to stand still, and we're not feeling any achievement about what we've done, we're feeling that we've just scraped the surface, that we've just about kept everybody safe, but we haven't really done a good job, well, that's actually really stressful and really debilitating in the long term. So when we're working like this and we're working you know, day in, day out, we actually end up depleting all our resources, depleting all our energy and often running on empty. And the problem is when we're working really, really hard, we don't have the time to do those things that build us up, that re-energise us and, you know, make life worth living. So we end up going down the vortex of busyness. Now, the vortex of busyness means that we maybe stop sleeping well, we work late into the night, we stop seeing our friends because we need to work, we stop doing all those things that build us up. And at the bottom of the vortex of busyness lies burnout. And burnout is a real thing and it's really important that we address it. Now, burnout is this term that's been bandied around a lot and we use it a lot and we think we know what it means. It's actually been classified by the WHO in the ICD-11 codes for the first time as something that's caused by work, by our workplace. And this squarely puts the responsibility on employers to do something. So, you know, it's not about your internal state. It's about the work that you're doing and the pressures that are on you. Now, of course, you don't need to be at work in a paid job to burn out. And you can see carers and people that have very, very tough situations at home experiencing burnout as well. Now, burnout is the term that was coined by NASA for a rocket that was going, um, but it was out of fuel. So it was going along but no one um, could control it because it didn't have any fuel. So it was, it was unmanageable, yet it still appeared to be doing a good job. And burnout is very different to stress. So stress is this high, high energy state. You might be feeling very anxious. Things are, are keeping going. Your thoughts are racing. You're thinking about what you've got to do. You're working at 100 miles an hour. And it's got a lot of adrenaline going around. There's a lot of cortisol. It's high energy state. But if you operate at this high energy state for long enough, then eventually you actually burn out your hypothalamic pituitary axis. Because what happens with high circulating cortisol, your body starts to think, oh, there's too much cortisol around here and downregulate your cortisol. And then if it goes on for long enough, you actually stop producing any and you get this sort of hypocortisolism. And as we know from our endocrine patients, hypercortisolism produces low-grade inflammation, which brings with it many, many health problems, 
um, which includes coronary heart disease. So understanding the physiology of what's going on makes it even more important that we take every step we possibly can to prevent burnout because it also has significant other effects on our brains. So the amygdala becomes enlarged and we become much, much more reactive. The connections between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex become weaker. So we can't really control our negative emotions. We can't self-regulate anymore. And we get a sort of reduction in areas such as the hippocampus, because actually all these neurotransmitters can be neurotoxic because we have glutamate being released when we are stressed. And in fact, you can see similar patterns in people with burnout as you see in the brains of people who've experienced early life trauma. So accumulated stress causes a similar damage to neuronal circuits as the stuff that's caused by emotional trauma. So burnout is real. It's a proper physiological state and it happens. Now, burnout is closely related to, but not the same as empathetic burnout. And those of you who are interested in empathetic burnout should have a listen to the podcast with Agnes Otzelberger, in which we discuss this. And empathetic burnout is when we are sort of experiencing secondary or vicarious trauma. So it's not caused by major trauma or suffering, but it's caused by constant sort of low level exposure to caring for people who are going through difficulties. So we can get this, it's often known as compassion fatigue as well, and this certainly can contribute to the other sort of burnout that we experience. So why are doctors burning out? Well, I've already talked about the the demands on our time, the lack of resources that there are there. There are also other things that can cause it like a really toxic working environment, and certainly the GMC reports puts the blame fairly and squarely on some of the really, really toxic cultures in which doctors are forced to work. So workplace can cause it, the demands on us, the excess workload can cause it, but actually we can cause it ourselves. And there's some really interesting evidence that the more you are engaged with your job, the more likely you are to burn out. And I didn't understand that at first, but when I thought about it, I thought, actually, you know, you know, as I've been doing stuff I love more and more, my tendency is to work more and more because I enjoy it and I'm engaged with it and I want to do a really good job. And it's fair to say that I might just have a small, tiny, tiny perfectionist streak in me. So I want everything I put out there to be useful, to be high quality. And that maybe means that I work more than I should and I keep going at projects. And I think that the sort of responsibilities that we feel as doctors and the shoulds and the ought tos often drive us to work harder and to work longer and to feel more stressed than we should do. So perfectionists and high achievers are actually at higher risk of burnout than perhaps some other people. And I think also doctors consider that they are a tiny bit superhuman. I think this has been drilled into us because, you know, I remember as a junior doctor working 120 hours a week. And it's fair to say we didn't cope with that. I remember being in tears in the mess every time I'd done a weekend. And that pretty much happened to all of my colleagues. So we knew we couldn't cope with that work, but we just knew we had to get on with it. And that's pretty much what we have done for the rest of our lives just get on with it without any recognition that hey actually I'm a human being I need to have rest in order to recharge I need to be re-energized in order to give my best and for some reason we don't afford ourselves the same compassion the same breaks as we would give our patients 
or our friends. You know, we can see it when our friends are working too hard. We say to them, why don't you just take some time out? Why don't you just stop? And they're sort of caught in this trap and they're going, no, no, I just need to carry on. And just by the time this project's finished, that'll be okay. And you think to yourself, "Mm, I'm not sure because I think as soon as this project is finished or this client has has finished or this court case is finished, you're going to be on to the next one. So a lot of these things are internal and we're pushing ourselves as well as the external work environment and the demands that are put on us. So it's this sort of toxic cauldron of of stuff that's going on in terms of difficult workplaces, in terms of far too much work and in terms of our own perfectionist tendencies and wanting to do well. And also our attitude that actually if I just work harder and harder, I will get everything done that I need to and I'll be more productive. I'll be more successful and then I'll be happier. But we now know from all the evidence about happiness in the workplace that actually the harder you work does not lead to happiness actually happiness leads to productivity that leads to success not the other way around and I think that's a really really important thing to understand and I also think that we need to understand that none of us is immune to burnout so you know I think a lot of us think that actually if I keep working it doesn't actually matter I've not had a day off or it doesn't matter that I've worked 60 or 70 hours in this week I am immune to burnout and I heard a a really worrying story from an industry it wasn't a doctor but it was a professional who'd been working on a particular deal and he just had one deal after another after another and he didn't take a single day off and he closed the final deal and he was unable to function he literally froze in the car park and wasn't able to do anything they had to take him to the doctor he actually ended up having to have nine months off work And we all know from our patients that when they come in and they're burnt out, they come in and they say to you, oh, I think I probably need a couple of days off. And we sign them off and then they'll be back the next week saying, oh, crumbs, you know what? I think I probably needed more than those couple of days. And you say, well, how about a couple of weeks? You sign them off for a couple of weeks. And after a couple of weeks, they've only just started to work out what's been going on for them. And then they often come back and they need to be off for anything from six months to a year and people that have had a real burnout you find absolutely and completely reset their lives they know they absolutely don't want this to happen to them again because they know what the consequences are and they know what the consequences for them for their families and for their friends and for their staff so I think it's really important that we recognize that burnout is a thing It's a physiological thing that happens to us, that happens to our brains, that happens to our HPA axis. And nobody is immune. If you carry on working and working and working, you will eventually burn out. And that's not to say with the other stress that comes with things that go on for us, like relationship breakdown, like troubling teenage children, like illness in the family, all these things on top of what we're already coping with. So it's really, really hard. And I don't think it's right that doctors cannot look after themselves in the way that they look after their own patients and I don't think it's right that some doctors feel that they have to choose between being able to work as a doctor and being happy or thriving in life I really believe that it's possible to work in a job that you're engaged in that you enjoy and to be a doctor and to thrive Now, I've been through this myself. I've been in places where I have felt pinched in every direction, where I've just been working and working and working, and I felt like a real hamster on a wheel. 
And I've been in a place where I haven't been happy with what I'm doing and I haven't been enjoying my jobs. And I still remember the time when I decided I needed to do something about it. It was New Year and I turned to my husband and my sister and said, oh, okay, what's your New Year's resolutions? And they just looked at me. They said, well, we haven't got any, but yours is to get a new job. (laughs) And I was really shocked, actually, because I knew that I wasn't particularly happy in my work. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. But I hadn't realised how much it had been affecting other people and how miserable I really was and how unenergised by life that had got me. And I felt really trapped. I felt that the only thing I could do was medicine and that I had to carry on in my current job, and the solution was just to keep plodding on and on and on. But then I realised I still had sort of 25 years in the workplace to go, and no one else was going to help me with this. So I got some coaching, and I made some changes, and I explored all these tools, and the the various things that I talk about on the podcast are things I've tried to do myself, and I've managed to make, you know, small changes that meant that I feel like I'm in a much better place, and I'm really thriving in life. And these tips, and these tools, and these techniques, and the things that I've picked up from my reading, and my coaching training, are the things that I use in my training courses, in the Shapes Toolkit, in the resilience training that I run around the country for doctors and other professionals in high-stress jobs. And so one of the reasons I started this podcast was to be able to share some of these things with you, because I love new ideas, I love all these ideas around resilience, and I love chatting to people who have got an interesting take on stuff and who have got ideas about small things that we can do to make big changes. So when it comes to burnout, what is it that we can do? What is it that we can do to go from feeling exhausted and overwhelmed by the demands of the job to actually feeling calm, in control, able to make better decisions and enjoy our work? Well, I've already mentioned the GMC report, Caring for Doctors, Caring for Patients. And in that report, um, Professor Michael West and Dame Denise Coyer make three recommendations for things that we need to do to prevent ourselves from becoming burnt out. And the first thing is that we need to have mastery. Now, this is pretty obvious, isn't it? We need to know that we're good at our jobs and we need to have the skills and the tools to be able to do them. And, you know, that's especially true if you are working as a professional in a knowledge based industry. And obviously, as a doctor, we need to know our subjects. We need to know know, how to cure diseases and what the latest evidence is and all sorts of things. We need to have mastery, not just of these technical and knowledge skills, but we need to have mastery of some of these emotional intelligence skills that we can use to plan our weeks, that we can use to manage our own responses to stress. And the good news is these are skills that can be taught. 
So as well as mastery, technically in our jobs, we need mastery of our ourselves and being able to organise ourselves and work productively and to work well. So mastery is a really, really important thing. And the second thing that's really important is we need a community of people. And this was recommended in the report too. Because I talk about community all the time. I talk about connecting with people. Connecting is really, really important. We need peers around us that will be able to spot when we are becoming stressed, when we can't see the wood from the trees. They don't just need to support us. They need to be able to challenge us. We need to be able to learn from them because, you know, it's much better to, to share a problem, get other people's takes on it. So getting some community support around us is really crucial, but it's often not that easy. I think if we're working really hard, we haven't got time to go for coffee, to go for lunch with people, see our friends and just to hang out with our colleagues. So sometimes we need to find community support in other ways, such as online forums or coaching and mastermind groups. So community support is really, really important. Now, the third thing that was recommended in the GMC report, Caring for Doctors, Caring for Patients, is autonomy. Now, we know that we need autonomy to be motivated. And Daniel Pink, in his book, Drive, talks about the three pillars of motivation, which, interestingly, are mastery, autonomy and purpose. Now, we need to feel that we have control, not just control over our work, but control over our lives outside of work, control over the decisions that are made in our work. We don't like to feel coerced or controlled. And I think this thing about control is a really key issue because many people say to me when I'm coaching them, the problem is I just don't have any control. I don't have any control over my workload, about everything that's coming in at me. I don't have any control over what my managers are telling me to do. I just feel like my whole life is out of control and I'm just on this treadmill and I don't have any control over the speed of the treadmill. And this is where the mindset shift needs to come in. And I look on this mindset shift as a bit like taking a pill. Now, some of you might remember the Matrix films, and they were out in the 90s, starring Keanu Reeves. And basically what happened in the Matrix was that machines had taken over the Earth and they were feeding on humans as fuel. But in order to keep human beings quiet, they plugged them into this Matrix, which was a virtual reality world where the humans lived and were quite happy. Now, there was a team of sort of mavericks who managed to escape the matrix and they went around trying to release people from the matrix and when they had released you you got to see the difficult truth and the difficult truth was that we were being controlled by machines and actually the reality that we were living in wasn't real but they offered you a choice you could choose whether you wanted to take the blue pill which would mean they plugged you back into the matrix and you wouldn't know any better the red pill however meant that you were unplugged from the matrix, you were living in reality, you were living in freedom, but you had to understand the difficult truth. And I think this thing about control is a bit like taking the red pill. It's a bit like understanding the difficult truth. Because the difficult truth is that it is only you that can stop yourself from undergoing burnout. It is only you that can take control over your work and over your life. Nobody else 
is going to do it for you. There isn't someone stood in the wings that's going to swoop in and rescue you. So control is a really important thing. and We need to get into the mindset that we have more control than we think we do. Now, I think particularly doctors and professionals in high stress jobs, we have control issues, don't we? The first control issue we have is that we try and take too much control over things that we have no control over. So there are lots of things we don't have control over. Perhaps we don't have control over about the amount of work that's coming at us. We certainly don't have control over what NHS England decides to do. We don't have control over the government, over Brexit, over other people. And when we focus on all of the other stuff that's happening on the workload and what other people ought to do, we are not operating in our own zone of control, in our own zone of power. We become very stressed and we become disempowered. What we need to do is start focusing on what we do have control over. And what we do have control over is ourselves. We have control over what we eat, for example. We have control over if we choose to be active and do exercise and look after ourselves. Now, we might not have control over the amount of work coming at us, but we do have some control over when we decide to do it. Now, if we focus on these choices that we have, we then start to become more powerful and we can be more proactive. So Liz O'Riordan, who was in one of the, a couple of the earlier podcasts, always says, you know, we have control over what we say yes and what we say no to and what work we take on. And she always says, I tell my juniors that they can only have one project going on at a time, one audit, audit project going on at a time. And if someone asks you to do something else, you say, yes, I can do that, but not for three months when I can start doing it then. So we are in control of what we say yes and what we say no to. So we have control over the things that we fill our week up with. Now, here's the thing. No one ever has enough time to do everything that they need to do. And this is another key truth about resilience and about how to beat stress and burnout. We need to actually plan what we want to do. So one thing that I have found very, very useful and I'm making available to you is to actually plan what your ideal thriving week looks like. So you can click on the link in the show notes and download my Thrive Tribe weekly planner. And this Thrive weekly planner consists of a set of instructions and it also consists of a couple of grids of your week. What I suggest you do is you download this and actually put in everything you do in a usual week, put down every single clinical session you work, every single time you do some admin, the sorts of meetings you have to go to, all the work that you have to do out of work, you know, whenever you're dialing in or doing emails, you need to put in time that you want to spend resting or spending with your family. You need to put in all your regular commitments and you need to put in all your hobbies and times when you do exercise so that you can get a pictorial representation of your actual week. What does it look like? And then I'd like you to take a red pen and a green pen and mark in red pen those activities that are draining you and sucking energy from you and those activities in green that are energising you. And you'll be able to see what your week is looking like. And then what I'd like you to do is on the next grid, fill in what you'd like your week to look like. How many sessions ideally would you be working? How much work 
would you be doing outside of work? And actually, when will you do that? When will you make time to do that? Let me give you an example. I was coaching a GP, let's call her Sandra, and she said to me, she said, I really need to get a day off. And so we did this ideal week exercise and she looked at what her actual week looked like and she was a three day a week partner. She also had a day a week of work at the hospital as a gypsy. She was also an appraiser and was doing some ad hoc work for the CCG. So when we put down everything that she had in her week and what she needed to do, she easily covered 10 sessions and she was wondering why she wasn't able to have a day off once in a while or even once a week. So having looked at her her week and actually what she wanted to do in her week, she had to make some hard decisions about what she was going to drop. And once you know what you want, you're then able to think to yourself, what's important to me? What am I going to fully focus on and what do I need to drop? Because, you know, as doctors, we can do anything, but we can't do everything. And that's a really important principle. And a book that I would recommend to everybody to read is a book called Essentialism. And the strapline for Essentialism is sort of doing fewer things, but better. And an essentialist looks at their life and thinks, what few things am I really going to focus on? And then we make time for it. So taking control of our time is a really, really key thing. And I think that is one place where we can enact an awful lot of change. Let me give you another example. Another GP, I'll call him Sam, who I was coaching, was saying to me, look, I get so frustrated when my work just bleeds over into the weekend and I feel like it's hanging over me all weekend and I can't really relax. And what we did was we looked at all the time that he was spending during the week and we managed to put in a regular slot, which was on his morning off, but it was just a two hour slot where he knew he was going to dial in. He was going to do it from somewhere nice with a cup of tea and a biscuit and he was going to make sure he went to the gym afterwards at a certain time with a friend so that he knew that he had a, a deadline and some accountability. And just sort of planning to put that in really helped him make sure that that work wasn't constantly hanging over him and into the weekend. So these little things we can do will really start to make a difference. But first of all, we need to know what we want our our week to look like. So download my Thrive Tribe week planner from the show notes below and that will help you start to look and see actually where do I need to make some changes. So we need to start planning and taking control of our time. And in order to beat stress and to thrive in our work and our lives, we also need to take control of our well-being. We need to take control of our responses to stressful things and start to work out how we don't need to always believe our thoughts and how we can start challenging our assumptions. And we need to take control of our working lives. We need to find out what we're good at. We need to be able to use our strengths at our work. We need to look at how we can diversify and use other bits of our brain. And there's all sorts of tips and techniques and tools that we have that we can share with you. And keep subscribing and listening to the podcast to hear 
more about all these sorts of things that we can do. But I did just want to share an opportunity with you now. So this is for GPs and doctors who are feeling overwhelmed and out of control with their work, are feeling on the edge of stress and burnout. And this is for you if you want to be able to take control of your work, if you want to feel calmer, make better decisions and enjoy a successful career and really thrive in your work. And I am launching a new online course and community called the Beat Stress and Thrive Tribe. Now it's launching on the 10th of March, that's today, and it's going to be open for just one week. So we're opening the cart for one week so we can get a good cohort of people going through. And it involves the online course, which is four modules where we help you take control of your well-being, your time, your stress and your work life. And you can work through the online course at your own pace. And there will be some helpful assignments and tools that you can use to do this. But we know that community is really, really important. So we don't want you to just do the course on your own. We want you to be able to be a member of a community where we can share our wisdom, we can get support from each other, and we can get ongoing tools to really help us on the journey. So I have created the Thrive Tribe. This is an online community for doctors who really want to thrive in work and life, and it will be fully focused on giving you the tools and the support you need to do this. So when you join the Beat Stress and Thrive Tribe, what you'll get is the online course, which will give you up to six hours of CPD. You'll get membership of the Thrive Tribe, which is a private Facebook group where you can connect with us and with fellow students. You get a members only resource area, which is full of useful tools and resources. And by being a member of the Thrive Tribe, every month you'll get one deep dive webinar on a topic around well-being, resilience, productivity and thriving. Plus, you'll get one online group coaching call per month that you can join. And this is worth 24 hours CPD over the year. You'll also get an email hotline to submit your questions and feedback and you'll get all the support you need. You'll get access to members only events, one to one coaching and discounts. So it's really worth being a member of the Thrive Tribe because I'm hoping to run some really exciting face to face events later in the year. So watch this space. Now, this offer is only available for the next week. I will be closing the cart on the 17th of March. This is because I want a cohort of people who are going to be working through the course at the same pace and supporting each other. And so I'm offering a very special discounted price, which includes three months free membership of the Beat Stress and Thrive Tribe. So if you're interested, you have to be quick. So do sign up using the link in the show notes. Now, just a word of warning, doing this course may seriously change your life, but you do need to put in some time. You do need to put in some time to work through the assignments, to work through the modules. Now, I ran a pilot of the Beat Stress and Thrive course last year. And here's what Matt, who was one of the students, recommends to other people. Now, Matt is a partner. He's a PCN director and he's also founder of a very successful online business. And he did the course and made a lot of changes to his life. He says this. If you're considering this training, then you're probably at a point in your life where things need to change. The question is, how are you going to change them? For me, it's understanding that if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep on getting what you've always got. This is a great opportunity to change, and I'd really encourage people to do that. 
And I think that's really great advice, whether you join the Beat Stress and Thrive tribe or or whether you just want to carry on listening to the podcast and exploring things in your own time. Because preventing stress and beating burnout is not easy. There are lots of small things we need to do and we need support along the way. And as soon as we've sorted one thing out, then another little thing pops up. And I think it's something that as doctors, as professionals, we absolutely cannot ignore. For ourselves, for our families, but also for our patients and for our clients. You know what? I really believe that if general practice goes down, the NHS goes down. And if other doctors are burning out too, we have this perfect storm of workloads spiralling and spiralling. And patients not getting what they need. So please, if you do one thing today, then just spend a couple of minutes thinking about what you're going to do to prevent burnout in yourself and how you can help your colleagues to do that as well. So some suggestions for you. Firstly, download my Thrive Week Planner and plan how you want your week to look and plan what you're going to do in order to have a week in which you can work really well and you can rest really well. Read the book Essentialism by Greg McEwen. It's a fantastic book and I make sure I read it every single year to help me fully focus on the things that I need to focus on. And I would love you to join me in the Beat Stress and Thrive tribe. So click on the links, sign up for that, and I would love you to be part of my community. So if you have any comments, any questions, I'd love to hear them. Do email me, rachel at wildmonday.co.uk, or you can post something on Twitter or on Facebook. So do get in touch. I would love to hear from you and I will see you in the next podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to download the free tool, which is the Thrive Week, where you can uh, plot out what your ideal working week looks like and what your current week looks like, then go to the link in the show notes and you'll be able to download that. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then please share it with your colleagues, share it with your friends. And I would really, really appreciate a review. So have a great rest of week.